Hello. How are you? Carrie hey Pod. A few weeks ago, we had the opportunity to ride along with members of the Broward Sheriff's Office as they served a risk protection order. Those are the orders that allow law enforcement to remove guns and ammunition from people who are found to be a danger to themselves and others. We met Lieutenant Alexandra Holmes and two other deputies at BSO's Public Safety Building near Fort Lauderdale. We received the RPO, but now we're going to go actually to the actual city, and then we're going to, we usually call for assistance from whatever city we go to, whether it's a BSO jurisdiction or a municipality. When we arrived at BSO headquarters that day, they were doing some final background checks on the person being served the risk protection order. They were looking to see if the person had been arrested before or had mental health problems or gun charges, and they were finalizing their safety plans. BSO spokesperson Kayla Concepcion was also with us. So how long will you be here before you head out? Uh, I mean, we've had the uh, risk protection order for a little while. We actually review it. We um, check for any safety concerns, any risk factors. We do a, a background on it. Um, but they're ready to go. Okay, yes. let's go. Is your seatbelt on? My photographer Claudia Soto and I piled into the lieutenant's SUV and we headed out to Central Broward. How long have you worked in this unit doing RPOs? Uh, I would say a little over six months now. Doing something that's new, I'm sure there's you know, a lot that you're learning about serving them. And you know, when you go out on one of these operations, what are your thoughts, what are your concerns, what are you, what's uppermost in your mind as you're going out to serve one of them? Well, there's always uh, safety concerns because we know that the people that are being, um, that risk protection orders are being filed uh, for, you know, they have a propensity for violence. You know, they're known to have firearms, um, most of them. Um, you know, they either suffer from serious mental illness or um, have committed acts of violence against themselves or others, you know. So there's always uh, a safety factor for us. That's, the, I believe, our, our biggest concerns. Have you noticed or have you dealt with any strange issues or actual violence when you guys have gone to serve these? Since it's so new, uh, they don't know what to expect. Um, first of all, you know, they're concerned because, you know, they have officers coming to their doors. Um, and we try to explain to them that, you know, we're there for a civil matter. It's not a criminal matter, you know, that they're not in any trouble, you know, that we're just concerned for their safety and, uh, you know, the safety of the public. Um, and, you know, that's the reason that we're there. Um, and we explained to them that, you know, we are serving them with civil paperwork, pretty much that they have to show up to court, um, that they're not allowed to have um, any firearms in their possession. They're not allowed to purchase any firearms. They're not allowed to have a concealed weapons permit or any ammunition. After a short drive, we arrived at the meeting point for all the deputies working on this operation. There were about half a dozen of them there. How you doing? Hello. Sergeant. Hey, LT. How you doing? How you doing? Thank you guys for coming to help out. Appreciate okay. it. They had a short briefing in a strip mall parking lot. You guys been on a risk protection order? They got everyone up to speed on the person they were serving the RPO, and they let deputies know what they were expecting. Uh, we're going to go over to the residence, obviously. Um, this was something sparked from uh, your city. Um, and we're going to go over to the house. We just need you to provide backup. Obviously, there's always you know, safety concerns. BSO is allowing us to ride along with them tonight to see how this process on risk protection orders actually work. Now, these risk protection orders are also known as RPOs. They became law in Florida after the Parkland shooting. 
There are lots of people on both sides of the gun issue, and you'll hear from a lot of them in this episode, who believe that RPOs, these risk protection orders, are a, a common sense measure to reduce gun violence. The reason we focused an entire episode on risk protection orders is because they're one of the most concrete or tangible examples of something that has changed in Florida and in several other states since the shooting. Legislators and advocates on both sides of the gun debate, they really point to them as a potential area area of compromise on the gun issue. That's why we wanted to dig a little deeper into the RPOs. We're all set. Questions, no questions. Nope. All right. The briefing wrapped up after about 10 minutes, and we headed back into Lieutenant Holmes's car to drive to the residence. With this case today, the, the risk protection order just got signed today. For this one, yes. And you guys are already out serving it just a few hours later. Yes. As soon as we get them, uh, we try to serve them. We try to make at least an, uh, an effort in serving um, as soon as we get it. We don't want to wait. We don't want to wait till the next day. As soon as we get it, we want to go out and attempt to to serve it. Why, why so quickly? Why, why the urgency? Um, because we don't want anything to happen within that time frame. You know, we don't want to wait till the next day. BSO did not want us to name the person who was receiving this risk protection order, and they were vague on a number of details that led to this RPO. Lieutenant Holmes said the reason was the man is possibly a threat to himself, and they didn't want to do anything that might upset him or agitate him. So they didn't give us his name, and they asked us not to get out of the car when they were at his home. Obviously, when you're dealing with someone known to have firearms, there are a lot of things that can happen, and BSO wanted to avoid or minimize any potential violence. They felt it was important for our safety and the safety of their deputies to be extremely cautious. When you go to serve these, what are you going to... Well, on this particular one, um, there was an incident that prompted us to file for this risk protection order. But during that incident, the firearms were uh, taken. Um, we're still serving them because even though the firearms were taken, there's nothing prohibiting them from going out and buying another firearm or borrowing a friend's firearm. Um, but now once they're served, they're pretty much put on notice that they will be in violation of this court order if um, they're found to be in possession of any firearms, ammunition, or CCW. CCW uh, meaning? Uh, concealed weapons permit. So you can take that as well? Yes. It turns out the man was not at home when deputies showed up. He's not home, so he hasn't been served yet. Um, we're just going to try to get further information as far as when he's coming back home or if we could locate him where he's at in order to go ahead and serve it. Later that evening, the lieutenant told me they did track the man down and serve him with the risk protection order. They did not recover any additional firearms or ammo. But now the man is on notice that he cannot legally buy any guns or ammo, and the court process begins to keep guns away from him for up to one year. Since the risk protection order became law after Parkland, BSO has served more than 90 of them. The Broward Sheriff's Office used a new gun law passed and signed following the deadly school shooting in Parkland to take away a Deerfield Beaches man's gun and arrest him. That was from a story we did on CBS 4 News in April 2018. It was the first time BSO made an arrest under the state's new risk protection order law. BSO says Jerron Smith was arrested a few days prior to having his guns and ammunition removed. 
He was arrested earlier for shooting into a man's car, and investigators deemed him a threat. When BSO went to his home to retrieve the guns, they say Smith refused to let them in, and they arrested him. BSO said Smith faced criminal charges in the risk protection order case because he refused to immediately surrender his guns. Now, law enforcement wants to make it clear that in many cases, RPOs do not result in an arrest, just the surrendering of firearms and ammunition. They say these risk protection orders are more of a safety net than a reason to arrest people. It's a way to try and prevent violent gun crime before it happens. Okay, so here's some important information. The RPOs require three units at BSO to work in conjunction. First, the agency's threat management division that investigates the threats. Then, the agency's attorneys who file the orders in court. Finally, the civil processing unit that serves the RPOs. That's Lieutenant Holmes and the deputies we rode along with. So I also wanted to talk to people who work in those other units to find out more about the threshold for filing an RPO and how people's rights are protected because there is some criticism about how the law might work. It's been a very effective tool for law enforcement. I think that lives are being saved. I'm Brooke Latta and I'm an assistant general counsel or an attorney here with Brown Sheriff's Office. Uh, Mike Riggio, I am the captain and the commanding officer of the threat management division here at the Broward Sheriff's Office. When we spoke with BSO attorney Brooke Lada and BSO captain Mike Riggio a few weeks ago, I wanted to know some specific things. Like, how do the people getting the RPOs get on law enforcement's radar? What are the investigators looking for when they investigate these cases? And are there protections in the law to deal with making sure people aren't subjected to false claims? Lots of people seem to see RPOs as a workable option to prevent gun violence by taking guns away from dangerous people. But critics, many of them gun owners and gun rights advocates, fear that the law might result in law-abiding gun owners having their guns removed illegally or due to bogus claims made against them. So here's how the cases typically begin. You know, threats come into us uh, through different venues. Riccio said the cases usually start from a tip from the public or a social media post or through an ongoing investigation. In other words, law enforcement finds out that someone is making threats of gun violence and they start investigating. I asked the BSO captain and the BSO attorney about what they're looking for when they get referred one of these cases and have to decide whether to ask a judge for an RPO. The, the statute itself, the law itself, gives a little bit of guidance of what to look for, which is nice. So they set out about 14 or 15 different factors to look for. Has the individual ever been arrested for a violent crime? Um, has the individual recently acquired firearms? Has the individual made any threats or has been violent to another individual or to themselves? Are they abusing alcohol or controlled substances? Um, you know, what do family members think? And basically any other relevant evidence that a court's allowed to consider. We're certainly not trying to take away firearms from, um, you know, legal gun owners who are doing the right thing. Um, I think what we're seeing in, in our cases is that when you look at what they have said or done at that moment, and then you continue your investigation and you get these other factors from doing other interviews of other people, you're seeing that there's three or four different things that are leading you to, to start this removal of firearms as opposed to a person who may have just said something randomly, you know, out of anger or something like that. And in fact, Captain Riggio said law enforcement always deals with the possibility that someone will make a false claim against someone else. It could be a revenge situation or a way to try to get someone in trouble. Now, that's one of the concerns about this new law. But Riggio said a concern about false claims is not new with RPOs. And it's something that seasoned, trained law enforcement officers keep in mind as they investigate all of their cases. We go out and we're very thorough with our investigation and our interviews. Obviously, the person whom we may be taking firearms away from or who is alleged to have made that threat, we're interviewing that person and we're investigating them 
uh, the situation in their families. And yes, there are certainly people who might want to say that somebody did something, but we've dealt with this our whole career. Riggio points to the fact that BSO has filed more than 90 RPOs since the law passed last year, but they've actually decided not to file an RPO in a similar number of cases. And that's because they didn't feel those cases met the threshold. Here's another concern about RPOs. In some states, an individual can go to a judge and ask to have someone's guns taken away. Florida, which is different than... Attorney Brooke Lada said that's not the case in Florida. Unlike some of those other states that allow individuals to petition the courts on their own, similar to a restraining order, Florida specifically said law enforcement has to be the petitioning individual. So what that does is it creates an extra level of protection for the accused because there is a filtering process, as the captain was saying. So now a person calls the sheriff's office up, a thorough investigation is done before a petition is even filed, and then once that petition is filed, a court still has a pretty high standard to make a decision based on, and that's clear and convincing. It's the same standard that, uh, that the state requires in order to remove children from, from parents. Another concern raised about the risk protection order law is that the accused does not have the right to be heard at the initial hearing when law enforcement is trying to get a temporary risk protection order put in place. So the individual doesn't have, is not represented at that initial? That's correct. Not represented and also doesn't get notice. And you know, I obviously can't speak for the legislature, but my my belief is, uh, since we are going to be removing firearms from people that will be a significant danger and that are a significant danger, the courts don't want to put the individual on notice that we're coming to take the firearms because now you're putting law enforcement in jeopardy and you may be uh, giving some incentive to the individuals to either hide the firearms that they have or to use them ahead of time. But the accused does have a chance to argue their side at a hearing a couple of weeks after the temporary order is filed. At that hearing, law enforcement can ask the judge to put the order in place for up to a year. After that, it can be re-argued a year later to be extended if law enforcement thinks the person is still a danger. So the attorney for BSO told me that there have been legal challenges to the law, but so far it's been ruled constitutional. However, she expects those legal challenges to continue. And BSO believes the law is working. And they say a lot of it is due to tips from the public. We've filed RPOs on individuals who have made threats to shoot up schools, shoot up malls, shoot up churches, um, shoot up neighbors. So, I mean, you get, you get all types of people making all types of threats uh, using a firearm. But what about follow-ups? I mean, once someone's guns are removed and a person is prohibited from legally buying a gun, they could still be a threat. They could use another weapon or they could try to get a gun illegally. Captain Riggio told me they take all of that into account. It can't be for us to say, okay, we served this, we took away his firearms, and we just let him not think about him for the next year, because if he is in fact a violent person or who has ideology of doing some harm, he could still do that. And so there, there, there must be follow-up, and it's got to be part of a holistic approach, and I think we do that here. Risk protection orders became law in Florida through the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Public Safety Act, which was passed by the Florida legislature and signed by Governor Rick Scott in the weeks after the Parkland shooting. The families of the Parkland victims worked hand-in-hand -hand with the governor and the legislature to get the law passed. And Debbie Hickson, whose husband Chris was murdered at Stoneman Douglas, believes the red flag law might be one of the most important parts of that bill. Red flag laws clearly have, I mean, that's probably been the most effective. I mean, I'm not an expert, but if you ask me, it seems that that's probably been one of the, the better things. Across the country, according to Ballotpedia.org, Florida is one of 13 states that currently have risk protection order laws on the books. And gun control advocates expect that number to increase. Here's why. 
RPOs have received bipartisan support in the recent past from people like Florida Senator Marco Rubio. We've been talking for some time about uh, extreme risk protection orders, and, uh, and today we're here to unveil that bill, as you can see, is bipartisan. That was Rubio talking about RPOs in the weeks after Parkland. That's when Rubio first filed legislation to create RPOs. Now, that bill didn't go anywhere in Congress, and he recently filed similar legislation again. Even the head of the NRA's legislative arm, Chris Cox, endorsed risk protection orders in the aftermath of Parkland. We need to stop dangerous people before they act. So Congress should provide funding for states to adopt risk protection orders. This can help prevent violent behavior before it turns into a tragedy. We can take action and prevent violence and protect the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding Americans at the same time. We recently reached out to the NRA several times for comment on this issue and other issues surrounding the Parkland shooting. However, no one from the NRA returned our calls. I dug around on their website and I found a news release saying the NRA opposes any federal legislation on risk protection orders where, and I'm quoting here, federal agents would be tasked with seizing firearms after a hearing in court. The NRA laid out a number of conditions it would support in terms of RPOs, many of which are present in the Florida law. The NRA said on its website that they will support RPOs that, quote, strongly protect both Second Amendment rights and due process rights at the same time. Same magazine. They take it off safe. A couple of episodes ago, we spoke with Dan Ferris. He runs a gun store and a shooting range in Pompano Beach. He doesn't easily advocate for the removal of anyone's guns, but listen to him on this topic. I believe if, they, if you have a mental health issue and it's severe and you're going to hurt somebody and they catch it before you do it, then yeah, they should, they should remove the weapon. I didn't say take them away. I said remove the weapons from his access, okay, or that person's access, male or female. Um, and then after they've received the help and they've gotten their help, then they can get their rights back. So, is that a signal that people on both sides of this seemingly always contentious gun issue might be able to find some common ground on risk protection orders? Now, that remains to be seen. What we'll never know is whether an RPO would have stopped the confessed Parkland shooter. We know that people reported his violent behavior and his ownership of guns to law enforcement multiple times. But if risk protection orders had been in place, would that law have caused law enforcement to act on those concerns and those fears? And even if they had, would he have gotten a gun some other way? Those are questions the families of the Parkland victims will always wonder about. For now, Captain Riggio from BSO's Threat Management Division believes the law works well. There have been a few recently that we say, wow, we're thankful that it went through. The judge saw it the way we saw it. And, um, and once in a while, you even get a statement from a family member thanking us, saying, you did good. You don't even realize it, but you helped us out. I think you... You did good. With the risk protection orders, it's like we're learning as we go because it's so new. Back on the ride along, Lieutenant Holmes said they're still learning a lot about how risk protection orders work. But she said one thing is clear. They are removing guns from people who law enforcement and judges believe are a danger to themselves and the community. There are a lot of guns that are coming off the street sometimes with these cases. Yes, that's correct. You, you had one that was a lot of guns recently, you said? Yes, about like 40 firearms. Uh, both long guns and handguns. And for Lieutenant Holmes, she believes that is making our community safer. When we feel that there was a concern and we get some guns off the streets, um, 
that we feel a little a little safer until we know that this person was evaluated and um, and now there is no concern for them to have firearms. Coming up on the next episode of Parkland, one year later. They asked Alyssa a couple weeks before she died what she wanted to do, and she actually said to me, I wanted to be just like you, Mom. She loved video games and playing football and basketball and, and being in the band, so, you know, I, I, I will never see him go to college or get married or have kids or grandkids. It's very, very sad. We focus on the victims, the 17 people who died at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. He was an awesome dude. He was a beautiful person, funny guy, and I miss that too. Jamie was fierce, Jamie was tough. Jamie did not put up with BS, and she saw through BS unlike anybody I've ever met. That's next time on Parkland, One Year Later. You can hear previous episodes of this podcast on our website. Go to cbsmiami.com slash parkland. We've also got additional coverage of our television news stories on the Parkland tragedy on the website, as well as some important documents and investigative reports from the case if you want to read more about it. You can also find episodes of the podcast on Apple Podcasts by searching Parkland one year later.